Aloha Maui Nui. Hey, this is Josh Porter. And Jason Burkhart. Welcome to the Solar Coaster. This is episode 116. We uh, finally got a hold of David Sands from Bamboo Living, which I was pretty stoked about, Jay. You've been waiting for that call for a decade. <laughs> yeah, really. A long time. Uh, you know, I just find it fascinating what they're doing. Uh, you know, we're talking about integrating bamboo. It's actually not a new concept. I mean, D- D- David's been working on this for 24 years, did he say? And it started out here mm-hmm. in Maui where he literally was probably walking around the bamboo forest. And he said, geez, we should be building out of this stuff. And uh, it's, you know, taking quite yeah, and a, and a it, long arc from there. such a... Yeah, it's, it's a prolific material. I mean, it's everywhere. It seems really, really, really resilient. Uh, makes a lot of sense. And, you know, we're, <laughs> and we're it grows working. Fast. Yeah, well, this is, to me, there's, you know, like, we work off of hunches, right? I mean, we are uh, kind of jack of all trades type fellas that are trying to meander through some very technical uh, areas. And, uh, I, you know, we, we, we keep hearing now in this GHG conversation, greenhouse gas conversation, we keep hearing about climate change. And, uh, you know, we start hearing this, this discussion about reforesting. And that's something that's really, uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, we know that, you know, bamboo is the fastest growing tree, if you want to call it a tree, I guess it's really grass, right, uh, out there. Yeah. And it has the potential to help with, you know, with rebuilding and with carbon sequestration, all kinds of stuff. So we're going to learn all about that today. we got a little bit of time with David later in the show. And uh, also how energy can play a role in that, you know, creating our energy and creating uh, new renewable energy systems within that. So you, uh, yep. are you ready to get going, Jay? Uh, yeah, let's um, do some news and stuff and... Where are we? <laughs> <laughs> okay, folks, this is the Solar Coaster Renew- Renewable Energy Theme Talk Show right here in lovely Maui County. We can be found Fridays That's at right. 105 p.m. on Kauai 1110 AM. Also, some FM stations, 96.7 FM Central Maui, 96.5 FM Westside, 98.7 FM Upcountry. We are actually on the web as well, uh, www.solar-coaster.com. That's solar-coaster.com is where you can listen live. Uh, occasionally, we stream from the studio, so you can jump in the studio, see what we look like and who else is in the, in the studio with us. Uh, but most importantly, you can go back and listen to all our back catalog of, of shows. We, Like Josh was saying, we research lots of different technologies throughout the renewable energy kind of space, and we've talked about pretty much everything this at this point in time so if you have an interest in solar or batteries or hot water or thermal or trying to get your solar for free chances are we've done a show about it so go to solar-coaster.com check out the show that is uh, applicable to you Uh, most importantly there also you can get on our mailing list and or submit questions so if you don't want to call in this is a call-in show by the way 2427800 is the call-in line 2427800 but you can send us a note right from the website and we'll get your questions on the air and we got some great sponsors that have kept the solar coaster on the tracks for two and a half years now. Sundrum Solar, yep. Pantech Design, and LG Chem. And I'll tell you what, I can see a bamboo house with all of this technology deployed. <laughs> so, <laughs> sun, Sundrum Solar, Yeah, no, solar, we, were, right? we were talking about that before, before the show, right? You've got, you've got a limited roof space, and, and some of these technologies uh, will ma- help you maximize uh, the energy you harvest from that from that limited limited area. Some uh, A bamboo smart house with like smart little bamboo. Bamboo screens and shades oh, we're all, moving up. We're and down. also we're also on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn, by the way. Oh yeah, <laughs> I forgot okay. to say that. There you go. Okay, folks, uh, let's jump over to our Pantech Design Minute. Pantech Design Minute number five: Smart, configurable backup power during grid outage. It's all in the circuit breakers. Systems with controllable circuit breakers, a Sonon Equalinks battery, and an Adapt EA energy automation package can benefit from what's called smart, configurable backup functionality. This allows the system not only to focus on managing excess energy production over what you're consuming, but further tailor energy consumption based on needs and priority defined by you, the homeowner. So in the event of a power outage, the system will provide backup power to specific circuits based on a predefined set of rules in the ADAPT-EA package. When a power outage occurs, the Sonin Equalinks begins providing backup power to the main panel. You are notified by ADAPT that it is providing backup power to your home, and you're presented with options on what you would like to power. If no option is selected, the system can be configured to default to a predefined mode of operation. The ADAPT-EA package then sends the selected profile to the controllable breakers, which then actuate the selected circuits to on or off position based on the user's selection or the predefined mode of operation. This unprecedented control and functionality allows you to have more power over longer run times for only the devices you need during an outage scenario, delivering safety, security, and functionality when your family needs it most. This has been the Pantech Design Minute. 
All right. Well, that was Pantech Design. Uh, like I said, that would be pretty cool in a uh, bamboo uh, small house, don't you think? Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. If you had a modest, modest um, renewable construction like that with all the super crazy smart. I mean, it's like those those 1950s house of the future right. <laughs> kind of things. It really is. But, but it's available now. If you haven't seen Pantech Design, uh, go to um, pantechdesign.com uh, and, and check them out because it's just great stuff. It's awesome. It's awesome. Okay. I think it's time for news and events, Jay. Absolutely. News and events right off the bat. Um, Reuters is uh, declaring global solar installations to reach record highs this year. Record highs. Yeah, we're going to be able to exceed that 108 gigawatts from 2018, I think. Uh, what do they say? Somewhere around. They're projecting. Uh, 114.5. 114.5. We're still about, okay. um, you know, a factor of 10 off where we need to be to combat climate change in a meaningful way with solar. But we're making progress, yeah. right? I mean, that's good. You know, 114 gigawatts global deployed in the year of 2019. That's what they're talking about, right? Yeah, it really is. It, I mean, it really is a, is, is a fantastic number to see see the, the growth happening, right? I mean, it's gigawatts growth year over year. And of course, the stuff that we've deployed previously is already running. But it's it's just it's just not enough yet. And and what this is what this is basically doing is as as a as a species, we're we're requiring more and more energy for everything we do, right? Uh, plus, we want to take all the the, the fossil fuels. Um, energy that we've been using and transfer that over to electrical generation. So realistically, we need a whole lot more than what we're rolling out now. This is this isn't even keeping pace with our existing demand. I was reading some some oil uh, peak oil demand sheets and they're expecting more and more oil demand over uh, the next decade. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, well, it's I guess on the one hand, it's positive. This Wood McKenzie, they seem to be the organization that's providing the data in the renewable energy kind of sphere right now. And then well, a lot of stuff is coming out of them. And uh, you know, they're saying that it should settle in around 125 gigawatts per year by the early 2020s. You know, that is the area that kind of concerns me the most. I would think that we need to be a lot farther down the road with that. Um, you know, and it's a uh, couple of countries in particular that are making these kind of or areas, co countries and and, uh, you know, uh, regions, Spain, the U.S. India, Vietnam, Egypt, UAE. Uh, some of these are the big ones that are actually making the kind of big, big headway. Um, yeah, I mean, right. very cool stuff. Right. I think that, uh, I, but I think that, you know, when you think about the notion of how much that we're doing here in Hawaii, you know, if we, if we, if we say just for easy math and, and argue that it's just PV that's being deployed, we'll probably end up being more than that. But we're talking about oh, nearly, nearly a gigawatt, right? in this mm -hmm. recent RFP yeah. phase two. So it's a gigawatt. So are we saying that, hey, wow, Hawaii's doing 1% almost? <laughs> well, no, not really, because that one, that nearly a gigawatt in phase two is meant to be deployed over the next, let's say, five years, you know, right, up through 2025. Yeah, 2022 through 2025. Right. So then they're talking about annually, you know, but you can see how uh, Hawaii's not irrelevant. I mean, it's doing some amazing stuff. It's it's it's, uh, it's more than a blip on the radar of what's going sure, on. Sure, but again, again, what I'm, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is that we want to, we want to curb our our oil consumption we want to get over to electric vehicle technologies and it's i mean it's it's only just going to cover that we but we have slated for phase out all our all our um diesel and coal plants <laughs> over the next 10 15 20 years right and and where where's the energy going to come from if, if we can't even keep pace with our own growth yeah, yeah. There's, uh, there's, there's. That's the question. That's what we're trying to figure out today. It's kind of like, why does the solar coaster exist? Well, we're trying to ask that, understand that question. Uh, it, it better be, it better be going up the hill. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, um, let's jump over to the next one here. You want to talk about the uh, green tech? This was, this was really, this was really cool. The green tech. Yeah, you sent me this. Um, a, a case for switching from natural gas to heat pumps. Now, this is, this is kind of mainland focused uh, because they talk about things like winter, which I don't know the meaning of the word. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and basements, <laughs> but um, th there's there's this neat technology where you can use a heat pump um, to basically ballast your own um, your your internal living space, your structure uh, with with ground heat. And when we talk about heat, it's not like thermal lava heat, like geothermal energy we we're getting over over on Big Eye. Um, it, it's just the fact that the earth itself 
is kind of warm. I don't remember what the exact, but it's in the it's in the 50s, um, and it stays that way even in the winter. If you're you're way up in in New England and you have these these awful snowstorms and everything else, you have these these wonderful white Christmas kind of things. But if you dig down a couple feet, it's actually 50 something degrees still underground. And so with a small pipe that you dig underneath, you can actually circulate um, some usually water uh, something through that ground heat extract heat from the ground and then use that to heat your home yeah i mean you're you're you know you're talking about an, an area where right now they're using gas or oil and generally speaking gas for heating uh of homes yeah. and you know when you when inside of your homes throughout the, all these different kind of climates all around the country and the world um <clears throat> you know using gas is there's an expense associated with that first of all it's a greenhouse mm -hmm. gas right so you're going to be emitting yep. ghgs let's get past that yep. and say okay well how, how what does it do for us from a cost perspective first of all there's an infrastructure you know people aren't filling up propane tanks by and large around the world right they have like gas lines uh you know in, in communities yep. and you have a safety issue you have an expense issue so when when you start to look at new builds especially do we want to uh, cover the cost of the, the new build uh, expense of the infrastructure of the gas lines? Do we want to maintain having that safety risk? Do we want to continue with the GHG yeah, and compromise cost, yeah. all of that? And then you have the, the, the cost of just the fuel in general. So if you can replace that as a standard in these new builds and new communities with uh, you know heat pumps coupled with geoth geothermal capability, basically, you know it really it kind of is a, a trifecta. It really just knocks out all these problems and creates a wonderful uh, energy efficiency uh, solution, you know? So it's an exciting yeah, and area. I, and, I, and I said heat, I said heat, but you know, it works, it works the other way when it's hot outside, 90 something degrees, uh, again, in the same, for example, New England home, um, you can take the heat from your house and actually pump it in back into the ground. <laughs> exactly. It works both ways. And, and cool it off. So it works both ways, which is which is really elegant. I li I like it as a solution. Yeah. You've got you've got air conditioning uh, solution here. You've got uh, DHW or a hot water solution here and you have a home heating yep. solution. So you're looking at three different technologies that can be replaced effectively by one. There's a great line here in this article from Green Tech Media when you compare the cost of adding one more person onto the natural gas grid with the cost of switching someone to a heat pump, the latter proves meaningful less expensive, mean, meaningfully more efficient, and exponentially better for the environment. So it's kind of like a why on earth wouldn't we do this type of thing? Uh, I think, yeah, that I think the, the, the number they quoted in here was like $1,500 saved. Unbelievable. <laughs> and this coincides with, I love the way when, you know, we, that's just, that's just, that's just building it. That's the installation. That's not right. running it day to day. Right. Right. <laughs> and you know, it's, it, I love the way when we have to, we're forced to kind of look through all the news and events, figure out what we think is relevant. And just like we were talking before about how, you know, solar is playing one kind of role in this. Well, then what else is playing a role? Well, changes like this, this is a whole other area. Berkeley just instituted the first citywide ban on new construction to have gas in buildings. And I don't know if it was yep. new construction. It might have been all construction. Like, you can't use gas anymore. I, I'm sure it's new. Uh, so, that, I mean, this is starting to happen. This conversation's out there. There are technical alternatives, and these types of things can make a big impact. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, and I don't know precisely what the install cost would be in Hawaii. Uh, but we, although we have harder ground, it, it absolutely functions the same way. Yeah. <laughs> so you can definitely get your you get definitely get your air conditioning from from a heat pump. It's a great great alternative. Course. In fact, your air conditioning is a heat pump. It just runs in a different way. <laughs> I think heat I think generally speaking heat exchanging uh you know the thermal and heat exchanging solutions are going to play a much bigger role than they have in the past. IE Sundrum, you know, is one example of a similar type of thing and geotherm related heat pumps. It's this is an area that's going to expand. It has to. Uh, so yeah. very good. And climate control is something that we've been talking about. I sent you that picture of the guy's jacket with the fans in the back. Oh, right. A <laughs> personal, like a air, personal conditioner air conditioner in Japan. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Okay, let's let's go, let's talk about what's going on with batteries across the world right now. There's there's some it's kind of another, exciting it's another, moves. It's another related technology. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this article here from Utility Dive, battery storage companies set $1.4 billion record in venture capital funding report. And they got a picture of STEM. Uh, STEM is a company. Uh, where are they from? Maybe California. I'm sorry, I can't remember the actual uh, state. But they are, they've done some really great projects out here in Hawaii uh, with uh, Hawaiian Electric early on, four or five years ago, doing some of the first commercial level virtual power planting. So, um, but mm -hmm. that's just a picture showing, you know, the storage uh, from guys like STEM. So they said, you know, this this basically says that last year, um, 2018, there were about a half a billion 
uh, dollars invested into these kind of uh, battery companies. But this year, it's $1.4 billion. And so we're starting to see more and more kind of right. VCs take note and interest in energy storage, uh, basically as a mechanism to, to knock out that the biggest rank order GHG producer, which is, uh, you know, basically you know, the energy sector and peaker plants. And, and there, there's the prospect of doing, of Kauai, which, what Kauai has done with, for the rest of the world, right? Basically uh, taking solar and storage and having that replace, uh, you know, gas and, and, and different types of fossil fuel-based plants. So it's exciting to see that the big money and the VCs are getting behind this technology right now. Mr. Vericart. Oh, there we go. <laughs> so um, anyway, I think that we have um, an exciting area there in terms of those batteries and in terms of seeing this type of stuff. Let's see if we can get Jason back on the line here. Jay, can you hear me okay? Okay, we're going to give him a shot. One second. I'm going to call him back, okay? There we go. Trying to bring Jay back on the line here. Okay, Mr. Vericar, can you hear us okay? I kind of hear you. There he is. There he is. Lost him for a second there. This is what I get for traveling. (laughs) For for all those out there that are not aware, Jay is occasionally here in a virtual presence device. That usually works pretty good, but on occasion we see uh, the the, uh, internet kind of fails us. So um, we were just talking about wrapping up that uh, battery storage one, Jay. Do you want to move on over to the, um, the lobby push for ITC? This is huge. Uh, so SIA has just launched a lobbying campaign, uh, lobbying con- Congress and lawmakers to um, extend the federal tax credit, which was something that we've seen uh, really, really spur a lot of growth throughout the um, the solar sector. I mean, it really made it made it super easy. Thirty uh, percent you were able to claim uh, as, as a tax credit for uh, any any solar installation and then they, they actually included uh, battery systems further on down the road which was which was fantastic so so all these technologies are being rolled into it and unfortunately um, the administration has has seen fit not to uh, extend the credit again so it's going to start stepping down this 2019 year will be the last year you'll be able to get that 30 percent unless this uh, lobby push uh, gets some legislation made. <laughs> yeah, well, um, it looks like SIA and some of our friends out there in D.C. are leading this yep. fight. Uh, you know, it's an interesting time to... For, for, folks, for folks that don't know, SIA is an organization that, that exists in Washington. It is specifically 900-plus uh, uh, member companies, all from various areas in the solar industry. So SIA's, SIA's main mission is is to voice the concerns and... and um, wants of of solar in as as a whole to to washington yeah and um and see is just filled with a bunch of great people that we've interviewed a couple times abigail ross hopper is their ceo out there in dc and uh you know they're they're doing really valuable work and kind of protecting one of the uh strongest growing job sectors in the country uh so there's a yep. lot of different reasons why it's important it's not just a ghg conversation about climate change it's not just about saving money and it's it's not just about jobs but it's about a combination of all those things and they're out there kind of fighting for that um for that industry and for all those good reasons together um it's an interesting yep. time to think about the itc staggering down though i mean I, I know it's a policy thing we have been here before right jay it was a couple of years ago when it was supposed to phase yep. out completely and then we got an extension in the last hour uh you know in in and, right. and i have to say you know of course there's a whole political um, consideration here. But geez, Luis, I mean, if ever there was a time to extend this ITC in the, you know, in, in the in the space of all the things that are happening around the world and the kind of mounting evidence day by day of, you know, heat records being hit and Arctic fires and all this kind of crazy stuff that's happening. They're just we've kind of it's coming faster and faster. You would think that we would want to do everything in our power to kind of incentivize more and more renewables, not slow it down. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's really unfortunate that we can't just get it get it done as as a matter of course. There does come a time though when every industry needs to to kind of stand on its own. And and uh, I don't know if I don't know if solar is big enough yet 
to to do it. But I mean, they're they're already they're already losing their their credits in across Europe. Uh, China has has suspended theirs and and just replaced it with a much more conservative um, reimbursement program. You know, what, you know um, I don't so, find so, interrupt so you. Is, is, <laughs> is thirty is thirty percent the right number? Can we start to stagger down? Can we can we can we birth this industry into the world and then let it? do its own thing. Here's <laughs> the thing. It's point? a bit of a false a narrative. It's a bit of a false narrative, Jay. I'm <laughs> just going to take square aim at you right now. So, you know, the, the, okay. here's the thing. The fossil fuel industry has subsidized up the wazoo. I, and, and the notion that it's an industry that stands on its own two feet is nonsense. So it's like, you know, the idea that, that the, the, the solar industry, it needs to be, uh, you know, some austere kind of uh, sector that is like this, you know, uh, indefatigable leader and has no subsidies. Why, why, does that, why does that have to be the case for solar? <laughs> when it went alongside of it. Well, why do I have to subsidize oil when I don't want to? Do? Well, exactly. Well, if, <laughs> can we get that taken care of? <laughs> can we just move the subsidies from oil to solar? That'd be great. I'd like to. Oh, that's a good one. Right? Just pull them right that's out. No, they, I mean, they, they both play a role. Of course, I'm being I'm being kind of inflammatory on purpose here, but they they both play a role. No. It's we need firm power. We're it's we're, we're keenly aware of that. The fossil fuel sector does that. We're compromised by GHGs. That's a problem. Uh, I would say you know, uh, geez, should I even get into it? But I would say it'd be great to take some of those subsidies, put it into fission, so we can get to fusion in the right course of time. Uh, and there's a, that's a show in and of itself. But um, you know, we need. I think that the industry needs support, and I think that it's one of the most you know amazing kind of sectors and its growth over the course of the last decade or so, especially the last like five years, why would we strip it of that support right now? It just doesn't make sense to me. No, I, I mean, I, I absolutely tend to agree. I just I just wanted to point out that there's, it, the subsidies cannot last forever, uh, although fossil fuels notwithstanding. <laughs> although it has. Uh, for, <laughs> but, but, but again, is, is 30% the right number? Are they going to find a different balance uh, where, where people can make some money and yet we're not we're not spending all that that tax money on on subsidies for specific folks uh, part of part of the issue comes and and people you want to be inflammatory here's one um solar has been the purview of the rich and mm. so the people the only people that can can really use these tax credits are people that have enough income to leverage these tax credits right um so, so it, it can be it, it can be a conversation where where you're you're basically helping this polarization of wealth thing to, to exacerbate itself and we're, I mean, what's 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 the right course ah okay okay a mix of uh, of renewables that everyone can take advantage of okay well let's jump over to some more fun <laughs> conversation can we talk about the oh my goodness i'm so excited f-150 electric that's pulling like i don't know what is he pulling a million pound train or something have you seen this one yeah <laughs> yeah the f-150 you sent me you sent me this photo yeah i mean ford loves to do this every <laughs> single time they release and look, look at what our look what our truck can pull you know they pull all sorts of stupid stuff um it was um what 10 double decker rail cars or more than a thousand feet uh loaded with <laughs> loaded with um 42 gasoline fueled uh f-150s so it's one electric pickup pulling 42 <laughs> regular f-150s <laughs> in these 10 train cars it's this is great absurd. this is great you know the, the thing that i love about this is you basically... sounds like a great job so it's, it's actually somebody's job to think these oh, things up geez. what can we pull <laughs> that should so be my job <laughs> that should so that i'm born for that job so look here's the yeah. thing that's neat about this you have you know rivian if you just kind of go back to our first show with rivian when was that like in october or something jay or just after spi mm. you know uh yep. rivian is was the first pickup truck the ev uh, ev pickup truck to be kind of launched we got those guys at the la auto show before they opened their doors we had michael McHale on talking all about this amazing truck everyone was super stoked about that became the toast of the town across the nation in the you know ces and then in you know in all types of renewable conversations ev conversations everyone's in love with the rivian you know amazon dumps a bunch of money into it ford dumps a bunch of money into it rivian's future seems to be pretty secure as far as a, a ev startup can be, can look and then you have uh, musk you know coming out and saying hey we're going to launch our super sci-fi uh, kind of crazy um you know was it a blade runner-esque is that what he said uh yeah pickup truck? I, I think that one that one by it it's styling alone is kind of making itself a niche thing. And he may be doing that on purpose. This struck me as an as a thing here. Okay, so it's like yeah. he because he, he may be saying, "I want to. I want you know this. The the F one fifty is the the best selling 
vehicle in the United States at nearly a million 14% units. 14% of all light vehicle sales in right. 2018. A nearly <laughs> a million units sold. I mean, like 900,000 plus units sold yep. uh, in last year. So, you know, we're talking about a, a segment that's really important to have, uh, you know, to be a part of. If, 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 if EVs are going to take a um, take a significant uh, uh, chunk out of the overall, you know, ICE or internal combustion engine vehicles, we're going to need to hit that segment. And now you got yep. Rivian, you got Musk out there saying, hey guys, do your darn and then we got uh, Ford coming out, and the F one fifty. I got to tell you, in my mind, I'm sitting here going, 2020. Can I make it with my F one fifty to 2020 to get that? There's a little well, bit that, of brand that loyalty. 2021 there. is is a hybrid crossover. It's it's not a it's not an all electric. Uh, those won't come until 2022, according to Ford's press release. Oh, no. uh, however, uh, the cool thing about this one is is although it's gas electric hybrid, um, it it runs in that in that kind of efficient way where it can can charge its own batteries and. It, it will uh, also function as, get it, an electrical generator. So you can go to a work site with this particular truck and plug in, and it's got its generator on board. You don't need to haul an additional generator. <laughs> I think I can. You can just use the one. You can just use the one on on the truck. It's a plug-in electric, right? It'll be a plug-in electric hybrid. Is that right? Yeah, it does. It does plug in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that I can deal with that. I'm not going to trip out about it. You know, the concern that I have, and I was just talking about this on LinkedIn with a couple of friends, when you compare the Rivian and you you, you look at the Rivian at a base price $69,000, and you look at the, um, the, the, the Tesla truck, which no one knows anything about except for a little glimpse of its hood, and he says it's going to be less than $50,000. Okay, maybe. And then you have the F-150, and you get a sense of what the pricing of the F-150 has been. Maybe it'll be in a, a certain area. Now, I, one of the things about Tesla that I kind of – I have a hard time moving away from Tesla and their specific innovation of battery and motor tech. They're doing very unique things above and beyond their patents that are making these cars awesome, right? Yeah, and yeah. so and I don't think they're really sharing the full special sauce. They're kind of giving out the stuff that, you know, enough to get everybody else out there and catalyze that industry going. Um, so I don't know what level. When I look at Rivian, I see a truck that is specifically geared, taking the advantages of level, what is it, four and five autonomous and gearing it towards adventuring. So it's like thematically very relevant. They're doing super cool stuff in terms of how to use a truck to have more fun. I think that's really neat about Rivian. If, if, that's, if that's what you're using cases sure right 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 and then you have you know musk out here saying hey i'm gonna make this kind of sci-fi crazy thing okay well i'm interested in seeing that but i, I kind of feel like he's going to be technically dominant at the end of the day and then you have f you have ford now here's the concern i have about a traditional automaker coming in and dominating this marketplace they tend to make a lot of money on the back end with their operate with their maintenance of cars right and a uh, most model has not yeah. not meant was not meant to be that so it's like are we going to see similar kinds of things are they you know is it going to be a true long-term 500,000 mile EV like Musk is talking about or is it going to be more of the same but you know what I mean with with with, with have planned obsolescence built in that that's your my motor big will fail so that right at, right at, right after your warranty dies right it's right after my, that's my concern that's, yeah okay all right all right which what else do you want to cover Jay? There's some stuff going on well, here we won't in... we won't know that for another 10 years or 10,000 miles or 100,000 uh, can't wait. Miles or whatever it is. <laughs> Can't wait that long. Can't wait that long. Hey, we got a we got one of our first uh, retractions here. You want to touch base on this one, Jay? Uh, would you like me to cover it? Huh? No, go right ahead. Okay, so it's like yeah. So um, I get a call in from last week. We covered an article uh, uh, from let's see, Pacific Business News, I think, or no, Biz Journals, and it said solar PV permits down in Oahu, Maui, and the Big Island. Now, um, the data that's used for this particular right. article is uh, from Marco Mangelsdorf, a good friend of ours. And uh, I'd called him beforehand, actually, on this particular occurrence to check on some of these this, these points. Couldn't get through. And it turns out that we have some, an error in some of these numbers. And Marco called me and told me about this. So uh, we had said that, uh, based on this article, from Maui County, there were 191 PV permits issued this year compared to 281 in 2018, a drop of 32%. That is incorrect. The uh, correction is in the, in the order of uh, 333 P PV permits pulled from uh, January through June, the first six months of the year. And it's actually an increase of, I think, about 18%. So a uh, pretty uh, big difference there. <laughs> Yeah, that's good, and and I'm way pleased to hear that we were. I was I was offended at the time. <laughs> oh, about how bad decreasing. it was. How bad, how bad it is. I mean, we keep, we constantly go on and on about how we need to be installing more, uh, how the tax credit's going away, and I couldn't fathom why we were <laughs> why why 
it was going down. Uh, so so it makes much it makes much more sense that we see that we've seen a modest increase. Uh, I'm going to say that again, folks. That if the tax um, credit goes away, you're going to want your solar install. You you need to be able to prove intent uh, by the end of this year. So uh, call your solar professional. Oh, you mean you're talking <laughs> get, about get, safe get some more per, get some more permits in. Yeah, Pardon? to get safe. to get the uh, to get the federal to get the federal credit. Yes, yeah. you want to safe harbors. Okay, residential safe harbor. That's interesting. All right, let's uh, let's talk about something else that was kind of a connection uh, here in Hawaii to our previous show. When we were on last week talking with Doug McLeod and uh, Jen Zaro from SIPA and Eddie Park from Interjax, we're talking about phase two RFP. Talking about the new F, yeah, the new yeah. RFPs. Um, one of the things we said was what. Well, we said we were concerned about um, the single point single of failure point of potential yeah, in the way these RFPs were written. So if you know, if you didn't follow the last show, folks, there's something in the order of like a million plus panels going into Oahu and similar for Maui and Big Island. By my read, we're looking at about three million panels uh, across the state. I've been kind of playing with those numbers. Eddie Park actually, after the show, sent me the mark and he said, don't quote me, but he said basically it could be like north of a million panels for Oahu. And I think around three million, if I'm not mistaken mistaken for all of so it's a huge huge statewide, uh, yeah. statewide kind of initiative and um, you know the, those numbers could be debated but the bottom line is that we were talking about the way this RFP was issued and about the nature of having these huge utility scale systems deployed that if they go out that makes a big impact on your grid very different from you know a rooftop that's distributed all around the, the, the island and it turns right. out that something like that just happened in Kauai and not a couple days after we had that conversation yeah, right afterwards, there was an island-wide blackout. Um, what ended up happening was that they have a large generator facility that was turned off because they were in the middle of the day. Um, there, there was a cable issue, and a cloud came by. <laughs> a cloud well, when cloud, yeah, I mean, <laughs> oh no, a cloud. Um, but the cloud stopped enough solar production that they couldn't maintain grid stability, and they couldn't get the generator back online because of the cabling problem. So there was that that it's that one single point of failure, that cable or that that um, intermittent resource, the solar, uh, that just couldn't keep up with demand. Yeah, it's amazing uh, to think that that's that, you know, we're going to have to find solutions for that moving forward. So, I mean, hey, you know, we have, uh, you know, issues with with regular conventional generation, too, that are not so dissimilar. But as we move into this, no, new I mean, era, if, if, if this was a generator, if there's one one generator transferring from one, in, I mean, they turn on, on and turn off generators for maintenance and fueling and all sorts of other stuff all the time. That's kind of their job. Um, but they if, if they had a cable issue there, it could have been from one generator to another. It just so happened happened that this one of the generators was solar and one was was not and they couldn't transfer over in time because the solar disappeared when a cloud came by uh, of course it's, it's making it's, it's making a lot of noise because of the cloud issue uh this is this highlights one of the real reasons why um this this four four hours worth of, of storage on board of all these new rfp uh sites is, is kind of kind of mandatory so even if, if the solar is not producing it can still output energy at its build rate for four hours i mean that 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 makes a lot of sense to me um so but on a on a rainy day or whatever else we're still going to need something to back these things up Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, it'll be exciting to see how these types of uh, occurrences impact the RFP and all this new solar and renewable energies that are going to be deployed in the space of the next five years here. So, hey, let's jump over. Yeah, we should have we should, we'll have PUC chair on next week. That's, That's one of oh, the questions we should thank ask. Thank you. Right? Thank you for reminding me. Yes, we got a, the PU, uh, PUC chairman is uh, as confirmed next week's show, uh, which is going to be great. We'll round out a lot of the decision makers in this larger utility scale offering. And it's going to have a lot to say. I'm really excited to hear from him. So uh, about time to go over to our commercial break. We're going to come back with Dave. David Sands from Bamboo Living, and then we'll, we'll probably have a little bit of time to do a future focus. LG is a leader in the home electronics industry and manufactures some of the most popular PV panels, as well as many other appliances we've come to know and appreciate over the years. The same LG brand offers the LG Chem Rezu battery line for your home energy storage needs. Here in Hawaii, their primary model is the LG 10H Rezu with 9.3 kilowatt hours of usable capacity. The LG 10H Rezu can be used both to maximize consumption of solar energy at home and also function as a source of backup power in the event that the grid goes down. LG Chem has increased production of their battery line for Hawaii's renewable energy solar market. Contact your local solar provider to learn more about the LG Chem 10H Resu battery. 
Sundrum Solar is the manufacturer of a revolutionary thermal collector that fits on the underside of your standard PV panel to maximize energy capture per square foot. The Sundrum Solar Hybrid PVT system, combined photovoltaic and thermal, holds the world record for peak efficiency, capturing an astounding 86% usable energy. Learn how Sundrum Solar vastly improves electric, heating, and cooling economics at sundrumsolar.com. Pantech Design is ushering the world into a new age of home energy automation through the convergence of smart home technologies and renewable energy management. Unifying solar energy production, intelligent energy storage, and smart breaker technologies with smart home devices, Pantech Design's complete home energy automation suite incorporates unprecedented control of lighting, shades, climate, security, hot water, electric vehicle charging, and many other systems. Contact Pantech today at PantechDesign.com. Okay, we're back now with Mr. David Sands uh, with Bamboo Living. Thank you so much for calling in today. David, can you hear us okay? I sure can. Yeah, thank you, Josh. Good to be here. Well, we really appreciate you making the time. I know you're going through a couple of things out there in the Big Island, so thank you so much for uh, making it fit. Um, it's a pleasure. <laughs> so we're here, uh, David. We're really excited to hear about Bamboo Living. Now, I told you earlier when I first reached out to you through a common friend, I think your brother Rick, uh, that I've been right. a, a long-term fan, a long, a long, long-duration fan of Bamboo Living, uh, probably at north of around seven, eight, nine years or something. I think really when I came out to Hawaii wow, ten years ago, I was really fascinated by what you were doing. How how long have you been in business? What's the what's the, the background of, of your organization and what you do? Sure. Well, well, I started building uh, bamboo houses uh, 24 years ago, actually. And um, so the, the first one we ever did is uh, <clears throat> there on Maui um, and out on the North Shore. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's been quite a process. I think we've done over 500 homes now. 500? You know, both. Yeah, yeah, both in Hawaii and uh, other parts of the world. That's amazing. That's amazing. And and Jay, uh, jump in at any moment here. Jay Vericard is uh, my co-host. He's calling in, but he can hear. Wonderful. Uh, Jay, Jay's heard me talk about uh, your organization and your your designs and your concept for many years. I got to tell you, one of the things that kind of always excited me. I get these kind of like really kind of uh, you know, I'm, maybe they're childish ideas, but I always thought, wouldn't it be neat to plant a bunch of bamboo on a piece of land, come in, and then cut all the bamboo down, mill it, turn it into a house? Would that be the most sustainable the first thing approach? I told you, you can't yeah, absolutely. It's there. like it's grow your own there. home. <laughs> grow yeah. your own home, exactly. You could even grow some furniture with like I've seen that where they kind of you know structure the furniture around molds and topiary and type of like stuff. Right. So that right. idea has always kind of like struck me as an exciting thing. And now as we've moved over the last ten years, you know, we've been in the renewable energy industry. We've been here with our uh, our 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 radio show, and it's been um, you know a, an interesting thing thinking about the integration of renewable energies to uh, to that system. Sustainability, right? So, is there anything? What, what are you doing right now with uh, with solar and renewables? Sure. Yeah. So the the piece that I've uh, uh, I've really been stoked by what uh, Hank Rogers has been doing. You know, he was a big force in getting the state to commit to 100% renewables, and he has a, uh, a found the Blue Planet Foundation, and he also has Blue Planet Energy, which makes an incredible battery. We've used it. I used it in my own home and in some of our other projects and uh you know it's a it's a type of battery that that there's almost no heat output you can't really feel the the heat off of it and um so and then it can you can discharge all the way down to zero and you know they said they recently did some kind of you know uh speeding up the aging process for the batteries and they think these things might you know live out you know 35 plus years. So Absolutely. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm, wow. I'm stoked about that. You know, David, uh, we're, uh, Hank has been on the show. A number of his staff have been on the show. Uh, Kyle and Lori and who else? A uh, handful of other great people. Uh, and we're definitely big fans of the Blue Ion uh, battery system, lithium iron phosphate. Like you said, great longevity, extremely safe. 
uh, you know, in an organization that's been that's here in Hawaii, right, doing really remarkable exactly. things. Exactly. What, what, what strikes me as interesting with your type of designs, and, and I want to learn more about like kind of the nitty gritty of what you do, but is that you have sure. you have homes that are, I, by my estimation, probably inherently more sustainable by the material you're using, right? And then you exactly. have then you also have you know homes that tend to be I, I think there's a there's the a lot of these homes that we live in throughout Hawaii they tend to be smaller, but there's a lot going on in the smaller space too, right? Where we can kind of create ADUs and we can create ohanas so and all that wonderful things. But when we do that, our energy needs tend to be less, right? Mm-hmm. So the, yeah. the notion of being yeah. able to incorporate this really robust, powerful battery system with PV to something like bamboo, a bamboo structure that maybe maybe it's a thousand square feet or five hundred or fifteen, but it's a little bit more of a modest, reasonable living scenario rather than some huge palace. We can create like a, maybe even a net zero scenario. You know, so that's kind of what, some of the things that I'm most excited about with this. Yeah, that is wonderful. Is is uh, Angela, who's worked for me for years? Uh, they did a TV show on her house, which is just above the minimum that you can get a building code for in terms of a uh, dwelling oh. first was 352 square feet and um yeah and you know just uh, fully off-grid uh catchment just a it's a great project that's amazing and i think there's going to be more and more uh, opportunity to produce homes like that you know what occurs to me is when you have a 400 square foot home and that's kind of like on the larger side for a tiny home when we think of like tinies you know as they're being sure. discussed throughout the nation right now but uh you know you're not you relatively small square footage so you're cooling you're heating you what you what you're generally doing with electric appliances it's all a little bit less right and mm-hmm. then so you don't have to and like in this case i think i read the case study or the, the article that you put out about it. Angela, was it? that? That's her home? And yeah, the fact exactly. that you're on catchment, and then you have the opportunity to, you're just cooling, if at all, a, maybe with a, is there an air conditioning system in the house? Uh, no, there's not. Yeah. You don't yeah, even so need it sometimes here, right? Natural cooling and all of that. Yeah. 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 So it's very very doable to think of you know creating an off and is it completely off grid or is it connected to the electric grid at all? Uh, it's off grid, yeah, exactly. You know the grid comes to the edge of her property, but she chose not to tie to it, so you know she's completely off grid. Super exciting to be able to think about you know that we are at a point where we have the technology to create long term energy solutions and then really exactly. be net zero. It's crazy. We you know we wouldn't have thought we could have been there years ago when we were tending to you know Volkswagen sized battery banks of lead acid, right? So, sure. yeah, <laughs> um, right. what does it feel right. like? Let's just double back to you know some of the, the this this amazing company that you've created. What does it feel like to be inside of the bamboo home? It's got to feel different. Well, it's it's pretty magical. I mean, it, the you know it's it's the bamboo and it's natural form so you see in all these beautiful round poles that is uh beautiful joinery it's like living inside a piece of furniture wow. and you know the bamboo you know is a grass so it has that kind of grassy smell to it like a fresh cut lawn and it's just really it's a pretty magical i mean i get great responses from people that you know have uh you know been clients over the years and now I'm living in one myself as well, so that's been exciting. Whoa. And, yeah, yeah. And uh, so it was really uh, just, uh, you know, there's a, the other thing is just feeling, waking up every morning feeling good about my decisions, you know, that, you know, every acre of bamboo that goes into production, we're saving about 10 acres of trees from being cut. There we so go. So that's a huge deal. There yeah. we go. And how does that and, how does that pencil out? So we, we said 10 acres of... I guess timber is saved for every acre of bamboo that's being utilized. Is that what I just heard? Yeah. So what it is is that the bamboo is, uh, you know, when you when you grow trees, you're basically growing them for a certain period number of years, and then you're cutting it all down, and you basically knock the carbon sequestration of the land back to close to zero. And uh, with a bamboo, is is all of that time. Uh, every time you're harvesting, you're harvesting every year, and the the materials mature in three years. So, you know, for the 30 or 40 years, and then the plant itself can live to be, you know, 50 to 100 years. It's, again, like it's a grass, so like cutting your lawn, you know, you just keep cutting it. 
So, yeah, and I remember, and I think I mentioned to you that when I first came out to Hawaii, I went out to Whispering Winds, which is a bamboo uh, oh, sure. nursery, yeah. is that right? Out in Hana yeah. or Kipahulu. And, uh, and then Rich we, in the, Virginia. Yeah, yeah. it was an yeah. amazing uh, group of people, really kind of, and just a spectacular place. And I remember mm-hmm. walking around the kind of bunching bamboo sections, and they were marked. And then there was a, a like a harvesting schedule that was somehow indicated on these these, uh, yeah, these areas. Yeah, it's the color, right? So they mark each, uh, when the shoots come up, they mark each, uh, the, you know, the new year with a different color. And so then they're harvesting a particular color each year. And so, that's the way they do it. So do we, do you, is that something that you could see scaling up and making a, uh, a, a contribution to, I mean, how, how big do you see, Absolutely. what do you see bamboo going? I mean, where do you see it becoming an integrated building product in the future for, you know, like sure. people are talking about hemp these days, right? So it's kind of like of a similar kind of uh, maybe mindset, right? Yeah. So what we're doing is, is that we developed a, a sister company that we just got funding for the first production line to make a, uh, a dimensional bamboo product. And the goal with that is to really be eventually an alternative to you know wood concrete and steel for construction at a you know significant scale so we're you know in the early stages of it but uh the long-term potential is tremendous in terms of you know the carbon drawdown um and uh you know reducing deforestation uh you know the concrete and steel have huge footprints and uh you know the bamboo is uh you know, a carbon uptake mechanism. It's the right. fastest growing woody plant. That so, this is you're leading right into yeah. where my mind is going. I'm trying to because uh, when you, right one of the big conversations in the the fight against climate change and about you know greenhouse gases, GHGs, is carbon sequestration. And and one of the the more recent kind of topics that's getting some play out there in cyberspace, if I can use that old term, is the notion of planting trees. <laughs> People are talking about this a lot these days. Yeah. Does the, and, and could could planting or reforesting or foresting via bamboo could that make a significant impact or do you have you thought Absolutely. about this at all? And it actually already is. is uh, the partners that we're working with on this uh, bamboo uh, dimensional products company are doing exactly that. No kidding. Um, it's a you know it's a reforestation project. So um, and the other thing is it has really positive social impacts in terms of you know creating income and jobs uh, in a in a agricultural community. So that's been really exciting. I had, uh, you know, met with clients the other day that, uh, you know, are uh, uh, in the Hawaiian homelands, and we were having discussions about how the potential for having a a co-op, you know, here in Hawaii that would, you know, be growing the bamboo and then processing it and creating our own building material for the island. Isn't that special? I mean, the idea of being able to, uh, you know, locally produce the products and then mill them or process them without, you know, transport. I mean, these are, and then build them. I mean, that's kind of like the the, the holy grail, right? To be able to have like a yeah, sustainable yeah, it, local product that can be a building material quality. I know that was a challenge at one point, um, getting the um, uh, bamboo locally to uh, adhere to certain kinds of structural building codes. Am I not mistaken? Am I mistaken there? Uh, say that one more time. It, it, was were there some challenges at one point along this twenty-four year arc years where it was it was you had to work with the building codes to get this to be a structurally uh, a structurally a product that could be a structural product for construction. Uh, right, it was quite a process. I mean, it was seven years and you know hundreds of thousands of dollars to get it approved, um, but you know it, it was worth it. I mean, it was I call it a ten-year labor of love. That's amazing. And that's yeah, kind of like you yeah. need people like you doing out there doing that, taking the uh, you know taking the hard hits. Kind of remind me of the biodiesel groups and the, the, all the hard stuff they had gone through over decades trying to keep that alive, you know, and, yeah, and grow sure. that. Um, okay, well, let's talk about some of the types of houses that you have. I mean, there are people out there right now. We just had in Maui, in Maui County, I believe, and throughout the state, these changes to legislation for everything outside of pretty much agricultural land, uh, creating you know more density, um, basically for mm-hmm. given square footage, assuming you have the parking and the septic and the the sewer and the um, uh, the 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 
various requirements, the, the square footage of a piece of property, you could now have one or two ADUs on it, right? So are you looking at that market, and what are your, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, yeah, we are. We're, we're working on a project uh, that, you know, uh, doing the, the uh, you know, the Maui changing the uh, Ohana rule and uh, things like that. So, yeah, we're really trying to keep that moving along. And uh, very interested in being able to help in that regard. I mean, I think it could be great. There's, you know, there's, um, if you have a, a plot of land, as I understand it, that's residential or a f- series of other zone- zonings, but not, ag- not ag- agricultural, you could now put not just one, but two, you know, sizable ohanas on it. It could really change the game for affordable renting, uh, you know, if, uh, and having m- access to just g- more own- more home uh, options for people because there's a heck of a housing crisis out here, you know. It'd be nice to see exactly. Bamboo take its exactly. place. Take its place. Thank you, David, for taking the time oh, to uh, speak with us. I really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to spend a little more time with you, learn some more about Bamboo Living. I'm looking forward to it, Josh, so much. Okay, aloha. All right, there was, uh, pull that up there. That was uh, David Sands, and, uh, you know, he did a heck of a job there uh, talking about um, his uh, basic approach to, uh, you know, creating amazing solution for, um, for ADUs and for, for new building techniques. So I don't know if we're going to be able to get Jason back on, but uh, we're going to try that again. And one of the things that I think is really exciting here is that uh, we're able to see, here, here is he. Come on, Jay. Where are you, buddy? We're bringing him on. So one of the things that excited me is that um, when we're one of our sponsors, we're going to bring Jay on here via, uh, we have a lot of little technical fun things here today. Jay, can you, can you speak up a bit? I am right here. There he is. Okay. We're jumping from device to device, and we're doing everything we can to keep this going. But um, uh, one of the things that I, I thought was really cool about that interview with David today was that, um, you know, not only are we talking about sustainable building materials, but now we can start thinking about, you know, smaller spaces and then integrating some really cool tech. He mentioned Hank Rogers, Blue Planet Energy, Blue Ion Systems. I mean, this is really like uh, really dialing in, uh, creating some really amazing kind of places to live. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you keep talking about small spaces. I don't, I don't find small spaces all that attractive. <laughs> but, but there's, I mean, there's, there's, a real, there's a real good case for it. Uh, but the, the coolest thing for me is not transporting the material. If you grow it, machine it, and use it in the same space in, in the islands, um, you're, you're saving a tremendous amount of energy just from, from just shipping it around, which is, which is usually, I, won't, I don't want to say wasted, but it's usually part of the, the building uh, process. Yeah, it's pretty huge. And then, you know, one of the things that, like, I, I, we didn't get a chance to bring up with him, but one of our sponsors, Sundrum Solar, I know that Sundrum has been working on, this is the heat sink technology that extracts waste heat and then moves it into uh, either domestic for domestic hot water needs, meaning hot water for your home, or to air conditioning or to heating. And the notion of, a, you know, for me, a smaller space or at least a more modest space, something like that, PV, battery, and then integrating Sundrum, that is the kind of thing where we could be in a situation where not only are we meeting our own needs, we might even have surplus energy and be able to do something like power and EV. I mean, it's just, it's staggering. Exactly. Well, you can imagine you can get enough enough energy off the roof. It's already a small construction. So to be able to get, you need to be able to get as much energy as possible and then something like Sundrum is, is going to be absolutely necessary. I mean, imagine if you put in an ADU, right, on your property, and then it's an area for someone to live, long-term rental perhaps, and it comes with its own energy, right? And then you could say, hey, we've got enough energy here on this roof to actually be able to power an EV too. So you could actually uh, really change the way people uh, live and their expenses. Very exciting stuff. So we've got a little bit of time here to cover a bit of a future focus. Jay, is there one that you wanted to jump on? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, last week, we didn't even really get to this. So the Lanai drone project um, is to con- the, the article is, is coming from Maui News, but it's um, con- to continue without 5G. This doesn't make a whole lot of sense in, in, in initially, but they're specifically trying to build an aerial system. Uh, these, these are the guys like, like Loon, uh, SoftBank, and big, big. Um, aerospace and communication companies are trying to build a network of high altitude drones so these are these are unmanned aircraft that'll float around anywhere between 65,000 and 80,000 feet in the air so well above uh, passenger aircraft you know everybody flies about 35 40,000 feet um, 
but why would they want to do this? Uh, has anybody ever driven across Halimaile uh, Gulch and lost itself? <laughs> well, that looks like the reason. Unfortunately, it looks like, Jay, we're going to have to uh, wrap this uh, little future focus here and cover it in our scheduled Lanai show, our Lanai uh, show for the Island Microgrid series in the future. But this is something really cool that's happening here in Maui County. So, hey, folks, this has been the Solar Coaster. Uh, we are sponsored by Sundrum Solar Pantech Design and LG Chem. It's been a great show with David Sands from Bamboo Living. And uh, we want to uh, wish you a wonderful uh, Aloha Friday and a great weekend ahead.